Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Hey, everybody. With me today is my good friend, Scott Couch. Scott, we have known each other for 20-plus years, right? Yes. All right. Thank you for being here today. Oh, it's my honor. I love it. Your honor. I feel like a rock star. I bet you say that to all the cute boys. <laughs> no, <laughs> only you. Hey, well, I wanted to have you here because about a week ago, I did another interview with my brother, and he kind of came out with him and his wife's addiction to alcohol. So I'm thinking, well, maybe we'll just do this little addiction series and see if we can help some people get through their challenges with those who have gone through them. So you, when I met you, gosh, that was 97-ish, right? 97. Right? And mm-hmm. you, ha- you, had, you had an addiction for a long time, right? Yes. Tell, me, tell, me, tell me about what that was. Just kind of tell me your story. Uh, I had uh, an addiction to pornography and masturbation. And so, you know, what does that mean? Uh, it means different things in, uh, in different societies. Like my dad, he, he's like, that's nothing. You know, looking at naked women, looking at, you know, pornography and stuff like that, it's nothing. It's a natural thing that, that uh, men, just normal. Yeah, just a normal thing that men go through. But, and that's, that's what I thought it was, you know. It started out basically, uh, I don't want to throw my dad under the bus, but I'm going to, you know. He took us boys, I have two old, older brothers took us boys to X-rated movies at a drive-in theater. And I was like maybe four or five years old. I mean, that's how it started. And um, and then from there, you know, he had magazines in the house. He had, we watched videos and R-rated movies, X-rated movies, all that. So I grew up that way. And it was just a normal part of my life. And so I didn't think I was addicted or anything until after I left and when I was on my own then I still continued to do it and I still, and, and I accepted it. I, I enjoyed it. And so I just continued to do it. And then I thought, you know, when I get married, I'll just stop. Well, that never worked. When I get married, uh, it's not like I, the level of intensity of looking at pornography um, uh, wasn't there, but it's still, I still had the, the um, inclination. I still had the desire to see it. And, and then I started, you know, doing that. I started looking at little things, started doing things behind my, my wife's back, uh, my family's back and started, and then I would lie to her and stuff like that. And including masturbation. I mean, uh, people think, you know, why would you want to masturbate when you have a wife or a spouse, you know, but it's still there. If it, if it's never been fixed, it's still going to come back. And, and eventually that, that took a toll on my family. So let me back up a little. You, when, when we were roommates for a while in Denver, you, you had a problem with this at work. If I recall, Mm -hmm. did you not, didn't you lose your job because I did, I was looking at explain that. I was so addicted (laughs) that I even looked at it during work. And eventually they're like, dude, you, you can't do this at work. You got to stop. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And I couldn't stop. Why couldn't I have just done it at home? But I couldn't stop. And I realize now why. But then I, I had no idea why I couldn't stop. And I, yeah, I was fired for it. I was glad. You were glad? I was glad I was fired. Yeah, because because of because uh, I, I couldn't stop. I needed a, I needed a change. So did that being fired from your job? Did that kind of shake you into thinking, oh, maybe there's maybe this is a problem? Yes and no. The thing is, uh, with any addiction, and, you know, Mark um, kind of and his wife talked about this, is you, you can't fix anything if you don't realize there's a problem and if you don't have a desire in your heart to fix it. I didn't have a desire to fix it or I didn't even think something needed to be fixed. 
I was so into it. My brain was so brainwashed that um, uh, I, it just, I couldn't, I couldn't see that I had an addiction and I couldn't stop. So tell me what was your, like your daily consuming of porn? What did that look like? I mean, at work, was it at home? Was it in the car? Was it on the bus? Was it everywhere? Or, or did, could you turn it on and off? You know, because I'm older, we we didn't have the cell phones like we do today. We didn't have the access of pornography like we do today. Uh, you can pull up porn just like that in seconds nowadays, anywhere from your cell phone. When I was uh, going through that, I didn't have that access. So I had to do, I, I just, it got to a point where every morning I would get up and look, look at pornography. I would look at like on, uh, your, on your desktop computer yeah, at home. on the desktop c- computer and then I would go to work and I would look at it and then I would come home and I would look at it that was every day every single day that happened um, and it was just consuming when when I finally got married and then I mentioned that you know I kept it from my wife for as long as possible and then when she like when you were dating yeah dating right and then uh, when she before we got married, I, I had to tell her that, you know, I've dealt with this. I didn't think it was a big deal. Because, again, it was still just kind of normal for right. you. Right. It was just a normal thing for me. And then it really upset her a lot. And I was figured, you know, if I want to live the lifestyle. So I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I was a convert, actually, not too um, far from when you were converted. Right. Um, and I knew I needed to change. So I just figured, okay, as soon as I get married, all those needs that I have will be met. And then that's... When you say those needs, like there's just the physical urge, the desire yeah. to relieve yourself, right. you thought would just be would, would be resolved because you have sex on tap. That's right. In theory. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and and my, um, uh, I, I don't know the word, but to my ignorance, that's what I thought would satisfy the addiction is okay. Now I'm getting it, you know, I'm, I'm getting the sex, getting relief. some all the time, yeah, getting, yeah, some relief, all the time. Yeah, getting that relief. And so that, that's great. That's all I'll need. I didn't realize it goes much, much deeper An addiction, a porn addiction goes much, much deeper than that. Um, and so, uh, I, when I told her she was upset, but I was like, oh, you know, it's okay. I'm not into that anymore. Let me, you said she was upset. What did that look like? Or what did she say? What were the words that she used? Well, um, she's very emotional about it. And because she grew up in a strict LDS family. And so, you know, that stuff was, is like sinful. And so she was just upset and just taken back by that. And then I reassured her, no, it's okay. We'll, we're, we're fine. I, you know, now that we're married, I don't, I won't be doing that stuff. Um, and we, I was fine for, you know, a long time, seven, eight years. I was great. Um, no, like no extra urges or, or desires to go seek it out. Right. No extra urges, nothing. Uh, no, not even masturbation or anything like that. Nothing. Because you were getting it taken care of. Right. With your wife in the natural way in the natural way so i was like see it's fine wasn't until things started happening that um the same triggers yeah that's what my next question was what was the trigger that made you start and so that's the thing about any addiction if you have the same type of triggers it it will um trigger um so i've been uh, uh, some of the things that i've been studying about uh, and I'll get that get into that more later. But um, it, you have um, a neurological, you have a, a neural pathway that develops, and that's what creates habits through your neural pathway. Your neural pathway starts as a little walkway, and the more you do it, the more you that the more those neurons fire, and it becomes a super highway after years and years of doing it. When a trigger happens, it automatically goes into that superhighway, and you do the same thing over and over and over again. 
Okay. So like, in, for instance, Mark was saying, when did you ask him, when did you drink? Well, we drank when the avalanche was playing, when the, the, the puck dropped or this or that. I had a bad day or whatever. Those are triggers. Triggers could be anything. Boredom. It could be stress. It could be, um, you know, it, it could be uh, a physical thing. It could be a death. It could be, uh, you know, whatever. If it's a trigger for you, then the same thing, because you built that neural pathway, the same thing could, will happen over and over and over again. What were yours? So my triggers were... Um, and was it one or was it a series of things, of events or smells or whatever yes. the trigger would be? Yes. It was um, a series of things. So growing up, um, in always in the spring when it started getting warmer, when I grew up, I always went to swimming pools in the spring when it got warmer. And you, what do you see at swimming pools, right? You see mm, barely clothed ladies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it would excite me. So I did that over and over and over. That was one of my triggers. Another trigger for me would be um, to be suppressed, to be like, um, uh, how do I put it? Where I can't, I can't do the things that I want to do. I, I have to, uh, I'm being like my, thumbprint over me does that make by sense? someone else yeah by someone else like like what like in a job situation or yeah. your wife or either what like at work if i don't have freedom to to you know do like i i can't just be a yes man no man i can't just go and punch a card and and do like an assembly line right it drives me bananas and that's a trigger for me and same thing with wife if if you know once my spouse started um, being dominant over me, acting like my mother. Well, I, I'm, I have the personality of, I want to please everyone. So I became like the son in that relationship. And so that was a trigger because that's the way my mom treated me and I hated it. And, uh, and, and that's, so that's how you, so you, so you went to the porn as a sort of like a medication. Yes. It was a medication. And that's how, what I learned is, the, just like what Mark said, when he drank, his wife, when she drank, it covered up the, it was like a medication. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing with pornography is when you, it, it covered up that suppression for me. It, it relieved me for a little while to make me feel like I was in control of my feelings and it made me feel happy for a little bit. And so I kept going to it and going to it and going to it. And that's what an addiction is. Did you talk to your wife about her quote unquote mothering you? Did you, did you, was that ever addressed or did that just continue? It just continued because I didn't want to rock the boat. I mean, that's just my personality is I, I didn't want to do that. And then, so eventually things, and then uh, my wife has very high anxiety. And so after the second, our second boy, um, you have how many, you have how many kids? Two. Okay. So after a second boy, and now I, um, she told me, "Hey, I I can't have in I can't have you leave. I need someone with me. My anxiety is so bad. I'm like, okay, great. Well, you mean she can't have you leave like for the day to yeah. go to work or something? She was okay. Yeah. So okay. I had to quit my job, not realizing. I thought it was just going to be for a couple of weeks. It ended up being for two years. So you, I didn't realize that you quit your job for two years to kind of two just years. take care of her. Yeah. And I couldn't be away from her. Her anxiety was that bad. And wow. so what happens all my life, all those triggers of being suppressed, you know, you talk about, because what, what do I, I, it's been drilled into my head by my dad. You are the provider. You need to provide no matter what. So now you have that stress. Yes. Which then you went to the porn to kind of alleviate that, yeah. to numb that pain or stress right right and so that started up again okay like i had desires every night but i didn't act on them because i'm like i'm married no but then it started getting worse and worse two years of not working and being suppressed like that it takes a toll on you yeah well because the world defines a man t by how he can provide for his family i tried and so i had to rely on everyone <clears throat> i had to rely on the bishop i had to rely on uh you know parents and everything to provide for us. And I had to lie to them. And I did lie to them. 
not the bishop, but I lied to my parents. I'm like, yeah, well, I didn't tell them that I was out of work. Because Wait, so they, what did you tell them? I just said, uh, you know, we're behind. Can can you help us out a little bit this month or whatever? And they're like, yeah, yeah. Both her dad and my dad I had to lie to. Okay. And lying to people, it becomes a habit itself. All of a sudden, I found myself lying to my my wife, lying to others, just naturally. When you start lying and lying and lying, it becomes a natural thing. And before you know it, you have a habit of did, lying. Did she know why, or did she know that you were lying to your dad and her dad? Yeah, because she wanted me to do it. Oh, she asked. So she, she asked. She was like a uh, accomplice yeah. in the crime. Yes, <laughs> to some extent. So it just, um, it, I'm getting deeper and deeper into this, and then. Um, it came to the point where she caught me and caught you what, uh, stimulating myself. Yeah. Someone call that masturbation, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, in the shower. And then, and I was totally embarrassed. And and of course I didn't want, I was to the point where I was like, I'm not going to tell her anything. I'll take that to my grave because I don't want to embarrass my, my, her or my family. Right. And I don't want to look bad with my bishop or anything like that. So, I didn't. I just said, "Yeah, that was just a one-time thing, or whatever." Well, when she reacted, what did she? Did she like say something right then? Did she run out? Did she come back? Or I mean, how, how did how did that transpire? What? So she was okay with it. She was like, "Okay, well, you know, I know you're probably under a lot of stress and stuff like that." And so she just said, "Hey, just talk to me." And she was really good about it. Okay. She was like, "Talk to me about it," and she would ask me every day and stuff about it. And 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 I, I again, I didn't. The pain wasn't great enough for me to want to fix anything because for seven years I was okay, right? I'm like, this will pass, but it kept getting worse. Just the desire of the thoughts, yeah, just kept the desire. And I more started getting back on the, the cell phones and the internet oh, okay. and not looking at anything heavy, but looking at stuff that would be stimulating, T- to titillating me. enough to, to, right. to get the fix. That's right. And then when that fun, when she finally found out about that i think the the big problem was not the fact that i was looking at it but the fact that i lied to her when she found out that i was lying to her her anxiety just exploded and she she took the kids that morning and she left that's interesting you say that i had another friend who was addicted as well and they ended up divorcing ultimately coming back together several years later but she said, "It's not the fact that he's looking at it. I can I can get my head around that. It's the deception, not knowing. Okay, is he telling me the truth now? Right. That was the biggest right. betrayal for right. her. All right. So, <clears throat> did she just say that like that day? I'm done. I'm taking the kids. What was her? Did she say what? I mean, why did she say she had to take the kids away from you? Did she f- feel threatened by you? Did she feel?" Yeah. That's a good question. I didn't understand why she was taking the kids, but I think she felt threatened because she couldn't trust me anymore. And and for her, when someone loses when when she loses the trust in someone, that's it. She has no forgiveness. She doesn't know. She doesn't understand how to forgive because of her anxiety. And so um, she was just. It went crazy. She just thought I would molest the boys and and everything. Stop there. Because you've told me that that she thought you molested your son. On what grounds did she think you molested your son? Just because of the fact that I was looking at pornography. I was lying to her. And my son was just doing normal son things of, you know. Uh, How old was he at the time? Uh, he was probably two, maybe three years old. So, so she was seeing just normal boys touching themselves. Yeah. The phallic phase as kids right. go through. And she just thought that was, she didn't realize that was normal. But She, she thought, thought I was, was teaching him that. Okay. Uh, and things like that. So, uh, and then, uh, of course, I couldn't say anything because she just said, you're lying to me all the time. Because now there's no, she thinks everything you say is a lie. Right. Okay. And so, and she doesn't know. She she doesn't know that's a normal boy thing because she, you know, this is all new to her. So she took him, she's, you know, and I can understand her point of view is, look, I want to protect the kids. But, you know, and she was hurt. And so I allowed that to happen. And, you know, we separated thinking that, okay, this is going to get better over time because her 
her mental illness will get better and things get better. But really, um, it's been, what, five, seven years later, and we're still separated because she's still, she has not, she has not gotten, gotten the help she needed to overcome that. Right. Which and that's a whole another topic for another show we could do. But that's right. All right. So that she left, I'm sure talking about stresses and things like that, did that add extra stress to you? Did it cause you to, oh, yeah. to do it more? Or did that snap you out of it to say, holy crap, this is kind of bad. I need to stop. Well, or, or how long, how long after she left, did you start to make a change and, you know, recover or get, get out, get yeah. out of that? That's a great question because from then I hit rock bottom. You know, my family is gone. That's all I've ever wanted from day one of my life is to have a family. Now they're gone. And I felt like, I mean, I was probably at the lowest point I've ever been in my entire life. Like I felt like I I would have never committed suicide, but if a car ran over me, I would have welcomed it. That's how low I was because I was like, why am I living? Look what I've done. Look look at the selfishness I've done. And now I've hurt my family. And, you know, woe is me. Everything's <clears throat> building. Yeah. So you're in a spiral, a right. depression spiral. Almost. That's right. And so it's. I knew then I needed to dedicate. If, if my family is not going to be with me, I needed for myself and to help others, I needed to start dedicating my life to learn how to overcome this addiction. So what, what was step one? What did you do? Step one was just to recognize I have an addiction now and to be honest with myself and everything it, it's so, you know, I use these analogies. It's, it was like the addiction was in the dark inside of me. It was all through my body in the dark, in my body. And one, the reason why I say that is because no one knew except now my wife knew because I finally came out when she was leaving. I finally came and said, okay, I'm just going to tell you everything you're leaving and it's not going to change your mind. So I told her, I've been looking at this, I've been doing this and everything. And the relief I got from just admitting it and to tell someone was amazing. And I knew this was the first step I needed to do. I needed to start telling people. How did she take that when you when you unloaded on her? Was it worse for her? Yeah, it, it was worse. And I knew it would be. That's why I avoided. I said, I, would, I will never tell her. But I knew I... She's going to leave anyone. I just have to get nothing to lose now. Right. Right. Okay. And uh, that's the first step. You cannot keep it by yourself. And, and it's hard. Probably one of the hardest things is to, to cure this addiction by yourself. You need, it takes a village. And the first, the first thing, you know, I had to admit to Heavenly Father and Heavenly Father was the biggest is the biggest thing in in recovering my addiction. The second thing, I need to tell my bishop. The third thing is I need to tell as many people as possible, you know, like you, like my other friends, everyone that I possibly can. And it's hard because you have a stigmatism, right? Oh, there's a stigma with with porn, like you're some dirty creeper. Yeah, Yeah. so you don't want to tell people that. People will look like you have a third eye or something and you're you're a porn alien or something. And so you don't want to go out and do that. You don't want to tell your church leaders because they're going to be like, well, we're going to let, let you go of all callings and, you know, we're going to put you in an institution. You know, your brain starts thinking all these wild things. And really, it's it's not. Um, when I told my bishop, he was very supportive and he said, OK, we need to need you to start taking these um, 12 step. You, you know, the church has their own 12 step. Um, process uh, program and I was reluctant to go to that but then the pain was so great we are motivated by pain and pleasure when the pain gets more than the pleasure you're motivated by that and that's like okay I need to do this and that's my the first thing I did was go there and when I went there I was so awake and my eyes were open so much because I realized I'm not the only one with this addiction. Which is how one of the things that makes addictions grow is that Satan kind of gets in your heart and says, don't tell anybody. You yeah. can handle this. Just, right. just, just handle this. Be by yourself. Be in the dark. That's exactly right. And then, but yeah, when you're alone. Yeah. But going and, you, and he also tells you, it's not going to harm anyone. You're just doing this by yourself. Yeah. And really, it's very harmful. Um, 
to you because you you lose you lose the ability to love the way you should love. You start objectif- objectifying women and lust after them, you know, yeah. and it's an addiction and you can't help it. So when I went to these meetings, um, I was amazed at how many others were in the same position and deeper or even worse situation than I am. For, for longer even? Yeah, for longer even. And then it gave me hope because I saw people that were in my position that were able to overcome it. And I was like, how? How are you? did you overcome it? And I was like, I'm going to find out. I'm going to I'm going to do the research and I'm going to figure it out. So you started attending P, I guess it would be PA porn porn <laughs> porn not porn whatever porn anonymous or something what do they call it? So in the church it's just the 12 step um, program just addiction recovery they don't it's, call it. That's right. It's addiction recovery and it's for women and men. So both the women cuz the women are in just a bad situation as the men are. Oh, really? It's the Emotionally. same? Emotionally. Okay. It's, it's a different way. For men, it's the physical. For women, it's the emotional side. Either their husbands have it, and they need to learn how to deal with that, or they can get addicted so to So the ladies in the class well. were? They're in separate, though. Oh, separate okay. rooms. So the ladies are separated in their own, just with ladies? Yes. And are they in there as addicts or... Wives of addicts. Both. Okay. Both. Which I, that that was something I never knew. That, you know, it's predominantly men, but probably about 40 to, between 40 and 60% are women get addicted to that as well. They get addicted emotionally to porn as, as opposed to the men getting more physically. Right. Because they're less, <clears throat> they're less visually wired than, than men are. Right. Okay. So how long, so what else, okay. What, aside from that, what was there other things you were doing to fix it for yourself and for your wife or your family to kind of show her, look, I'm, I'm making changes. So please bring my kids back. I mean, what? Well, the family thing is, was no longer in play because she's like, I don't want anything to do with you ever, you know? And so I had to, I had to let that lay low until she got either help or it, it takes time for that to, you know, for that to overcome on the woman's side. And, and she wasn't getting help, which made it worse. The ladies have to get help just as much as the men do. And so she wouldn't get help. And so I knew there was nothing I could do on that Avenue. I had to dedicate myself to fixing me. Right. So when you say she needed help, in what aspect did she need help? Because someone could be asking, well, it's not my addiction. It's it's yours, dude. That's right. So what help does she need? She needed to understand that when their husband – so a wife will will, will uh, just get – will break down because of the fact that their husband is dealing with pornography because they t- take it personal. They think, well – Look, I'm, he's not looking at me anymore. I'm not pretty enough. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not all that anymore. Right. And so he's looking at pornography because he's looking elsewhere. They don't realize it's not that at all. It's more of a neurological disorder that's happening. It's covering up. It's medicating something in their lives that they never fixed over their lives. And and they're doing it over and over. And again, that super highway of the... The neural pathway, superhighway, is so strong that when these triggers, see, you could say, I can say, I can tell you, look, I'm done with pornography. I'm done with this addiction. I'm done. I'm not going to do it anymore, right? And then I so I go on with my life. As soon as these triggers hit me again, guess what happens? You go that, right back to it. That neural pathway is a superhighway, and it's so strong. It's like rocket fuel. You, like you need this fixed and that you need to get yeah. this drug now that's right and so you go back to it every time and it's like a loop and the, and that's why people say to themselves i can't overcome this addiction why i don't want to do it anymore that's that's when they're sane you know when they're in their sane part and when their frontal lobe is not playing tricks on them 
But going back to the to the ladies, they're more emotionally hurt because one, they lost the trust in their husband. And two, you know, why is why is my husband doing this? It's it's like having an affair on him. Yeah, well, totally. It's, it's an emotional affair. Yeah. And so the ladies need help um, to overcome that through therapy, through these therapy sessions just as much. So, so you're how many years out now since your wife left you? With the Probably boys? about seven years. It's been that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And you've done everything you can to, to repent in her eyes, you know, and, and, and for those that maybe Christian believe in repentance. And so now has she softened up a bit or what's, what's the story there? No, it's, she still has the same. She's never fixed the problem. And this is the, this is, um, this is one of the things that I learned when I was studying of how to overcome your addiction. If you never fix the problem, then it's always going to be there. And she's never fixed the problem. What What is the problem, you might ask? Yes, problem. I might. <laughs> problem is, is when we're born, we everything that we've learned, we learn in life, we learn from age zero to twelve. The things that are that happened in our life, like you're like you're just your baseline. Yeah. Structure, I guess, right. in your brains. The things, yeah, that's what I mean. The things that happen in our life affect us in that time period affect us the rest of our lives. So if you're abused, if you in any way, sexually, mentally, if you, uh, uh, you know, are told you can't, um, or on the other side, if, if you're treated and, and taught and nurtured, then, you know, those things will affect you in, in your life. If those things are never taken care of, they will be with you for the rest of your life. And so when things like this happen, when crap happens, what what does your mind resort back to? Back to what you, yeah, just like the subconscious remembers the yeah. safe place. And you're so, I'm glad you mentioned subconscious. Subconscious, I learned, is all it is, it's, it's, it's makes up most of your brain, your subconscious, because you do things without you knowing. You get up, you brush your teeth, you do whatever, you drive to work, you do all that, a lot of that subconsciously. Because it's so routine. All the subconscious is is a tape player. You put a memory bank, you know, a memory card in your subconscious, and it just replays that over and over and over again. So if you learn um, when you're little, you know, we're poor. If your dad always said, "Where, you know, does money grow on trees? You can't have that ice cream. Go get a job or something, you know. What do you learn? You learn, okay, money doesn't grow on trees. I'm never going to be rich. I'm never... I'm, I'm always going to be a failure and you start believing. So it. why bother trying to change anything? Right. And accept. even when you tell yourself, no, I'm not a failure. I can get, I can go and get a good job and a hundred thousand dollar job. I can do that. You're saying it, but inside, but guess it, what? It's, it's your brain's like, no, you can't. Your subconscious is still playing that old tape. So how do you get rid of that yes, tape? Yeah. Yeah. How do you get rid of that tape? What do you do? You have to build and you, you have to build a new, a new um, script. Neural pathway. Yeah, you have to put a new memory bank in there. You have to put a new tape in there. And I learned how to do that. Well, do tell. <laughs> it's very complicated. Well, try. Um, you know, I can hit on hit on some of the basic things, but I, I learned a lot of different things, and I just drew a lot of nuggets from a lot of different things. So, you know, you heard me talk about the neurons in your brain the neural pathways I learned about that. And how does that affect your addiction? Well, you, your brain produces um, serotonin and, uh, and dopamine. You know, when you take drugs, those are the same chemicals that you're... And when when you have natural things happen in your life, your brain um, creates those chemicals. Well, I learned that those, can be, those chemicals can be overproduced, causing euphoria and, and a high... And, and you'll need that more and more and more. That's why, like Ted Bundy, he started with pornography, but he needed a more and more, you know, yeah, because of that. Yeah, kept to, to feed the, the desire. I knew, I, I learned about the frontal lobe I, I, and what that has to do with, you know, um, why 
you know, I learned why teenagers, um, you think, what is wrong with you? You have brain damage. Well, they actually, they do because their frontal lobe isn't totally developed. So that's, so that's when the, I call it, that's when the aliens come and take my children's brains and take it away for two years and do some surgery on it. And they eventually bring it back. We're going to pause for a quick timeout. Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. One, it's free. Two, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many others. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. It is so stinking easy. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You will not be disappointed. And we're back. So to give you just a little nuggets of, of the things that I've researched is... One, uh, I've learned through um, through doctors, I learned through PhDs, I learned through psychologists, neurolog- uh, neurologists, um, neurolinguistic programmists. I've learned from like uh, Tony Robbins. Oh yeah, the neuro 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 linguistic programming. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, I've learned from. Uh, friends um you know i studied uh, different things like that i've i've learned um uh from uh, uh neuroscientists all these things i've learned about the brain about the chemicals that it produces the the serotonin the the dopamine and why you need that uh in life and if you overproduce it it starts produce uh, gives you that high where you constantly need it, it adds in your addiction. I learned about the frontal lobe, and 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 if that shuts down, then your lizard brain takes over. Define lizard brain for someone who may not know what that means. So lizard brain is just the brain, like the caveman brain, where all it wants to do is think about getting food, getting sex, and getting the 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 basic things of life. Just primal primal instincts. That's right. We call it the primal, and that will take over. If you don't understand how to prevent that, uh, when your frontal lobe um, shuts down, that's why teenagers um, act the way they do. Like animals. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like animals. Um, so I learned about, and I, I drew nuggets from that. I, I and how I learned it from going to seminars, going to, um, uh, you know, um, seeing, uh, studying things on YouTube. Uh, you know. Uh, reading books there's so many good books out there and so i just picked and choose and just kept in doing things over and over so uh also on the you know i learned about the neurons and the 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 dendrites and the neural pathways and what happens in 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 that in an addiction and and why you create habits and how you overcome bad habits how do you do that you have to reprogram it um i learned about um, well, let me back up to say reprogramming. I think most people get it, but what does it look like in terms of something like this? Repro- what are you re- replacing one bad behavior with a good one or, or, or what? Yeah, that's a great question because, and I didn't understand this until I had to, to experience it. You have a habit of going through this addiction because of your triggers. One, you need to figure out what those triggers are. You need to figure out um, what is holding you back from your past. You know, what are you holding on to? What kind of baggage are you holding on to? And you need to let that go through psychologists, through, you know, neuro-linguistic programming. Uh, Often people, we say, let it go again. What does that look like? You have to, because your brain goes to it all the time. You, you, you're, your subconscious will make you think that you're nothing and you're a loser every time something happens. Like if you try to get a job and you don't get it, 
Well, your brain will say, you're a loser. Why'd you even try to do that? When really you're not, you're not a loser. It's just, you're doing, you're sabotaging yourself. Well, you have to retrain your brain in order to experience, try to create a new neural pathway, a new tape. And so I learned, I learned how to do that. You can't do it. You can't take a pill and, and have it happen. It, it's a process that has to take place that you have to do with, you have to do every day. And, and I've learned exactly what kind of process you have to do. Um, the reason why I'm kind of hesitating to go into more details is because it, it, it'll take hours. And well, hours. maybe just explain how you did it for your situation. Right. Or is that still going to take too long? Um, yeah, I can kind of touch on that. Just touch on that, what you did. So someone who's struggling with a porn addiction can go, okay, well, Scott Couch did this and it worked for him. Maybe I can try that. Um, so it, that's really a good question that you, a, a good statement that you said there as well, because what works for me is not going to work for you. I have a different personality. I have different triggers. I have a different past. So what needs to happen is like, I almost need you, like if you had this addiction, I almost need you to come over and do therapy sessions for like uh, a couple months so I could teach you these things. Because for me, I had to understand this is what happened in, in my past. This is why I feel the way I do. This is why uh, I get these triggers. I need to overcome that. I need to, I need to figure that out, that that's in my subconscious. I need to reprogram my subconscious. So in order to reprogram that, I, this is another thing that I um, did research on, is we have, we have, our bodies are made up of energy. We have different energy um, points. We have probably, I think, 15, but there's seven main energy points are called chakras. And so when those get out of balance, which they can throughout your whole life, those get out of balance. It that's why people get sick. That's why people get a disease. Because this that energy is not flowing the way it should in your body. So I learned how to unblock those different chakra points in your body to make things flow. And when you have an addiction, your sacral um, chakra, which is down, that's your sexual sh- chakra, is the one that's really um the the main one that's getting blocked and so you have to understand how how can i unblock it and so there's there's a whole therapy session on how to do that and once that's unblocked once you get a balance of this energy flow within you it's amazing you start it's like you're coming out into the light and the addiction almost has no room to hold on anymore it's like a disinfectant. Almost. Yes, and it just destroys it. And not only does that with addictions, but you can heal yourself from physical ailments. You can heal yourself mentally and everything from this. So I've learned how to do that um, for myself, and I've helped others. Like a, a friend of mine who has been addiction, an addict, a porn addict all his life, I've helped him through. And now he's to the point where he's making his own YouTube videos to try to explain the things that I taught him and from his perspective of how you can fix this. Okay. So I think I feel like we're, we're kind of wrapping up on this. So correct me if I'm wrong, or is there more we could talk about? Well, there's tons of more we can talk about because first of all, the addiction is not just the porn addiction. It's your it's, it's the things that you've gone through your whole life that you need to learn how to let go. So when you overcome, when you can overcome a porn addiction or any addiction, when you go through this, I call it this program that I've developed, when you go through this program, you're not only going to be free from the addiction, you're going to be better in life. You're going to, it's going to help you in life because it's going to take that baggage off of you for once and for all and you're going to reprogram your mind to do to live the life that you want to live to live a better life so that baggage is basically a foundation for any addiction that's right is that what you're saying yeah because if you go back to mark and his wife why were they drinking the mask pain the mask the pain they had the pain 
because of how they grew up, the things, the baggage that they kept over their lives, right? Now, has that been, um, you know, has that been taken care of? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're making progress. So it's, they that's, are making that's, progress, that's yeah. you know, for them to just stop basically, you know, yeah, complete, you know, we're doing a follow-up here in a, in a few months. But right. I don't know. But I guess they have to be careful. Yeah. Because when those triggers come, if that baggage is not, if those things have not been, if they haven't rewrit, rewritten and put a new tape in their subconscious, they're going to go back. Yeah. That's a possibility, I suppose, because they, 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 they did say they are still hanging out with the same crowds in the same kind of events. But I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a, a definite trigger but and if you think about this you get up in the morning don't you do the same thing you go and you go to the restroom whatever you take a shower you brush your teeth you eat you you go to your desk or whatever or drive to work you drive the same way every time you do the exact same thing how is your life going to change it's not going to your brain you program your brain this is how i do it well your brain's going to fire off those tapes. The same. It's gonna. Yeah, it's gonna say. Here's the message. Yep. Here's the message. This Until is you know. change those things, like you said, Mark's hanging out the same. Until the, the brain's gonna still fire off the same way. Until you change that, things aren't gonna change. Yeah. Huh. So, and that's how that's how I overcame my addiction. Sure, I still get triggers. Sure, every now and then I still say, "Ooh." Wouldn't it be nice to, um, you know, go go back into my addiction? Because why? Because it, the flood of chemicals, yeah, is enticing. You know. Yeah. And by the way, if a uh, little trick that I learned, if you eat ice cream, it creates the dopamine. The same, uh, probably not as much, but enough that's naturally, the dopamine that naturally gives you that high. The same as an addiction does. So, um, I needed to say I ate a lot of ice cream. <laughs> so that's a whole yeah. that's a whole other conversation. That's right, yeah. like, okay, eat ice cream, avoid porn. That's right. Okay, <laughs> this is a porn flavored ice cream. So, I it, if I was going to give someone advice, if they're were if they're in as deep as I was, one, I would tell as many people as I could that I trusted. So they could start helping me, give me the the emotional support. Well, is it is, is that for like an accountability too? Yes, yes. You need accountability. When you're just accountable to yourself, you'll fail. You lie to yourself. It's easy because yeah. Who, who who are you gonna blame? Oh, it's me. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. You're yeah. grounded. Yeah. Oh, dang it. <laughs> no, you're not. Yes, I am. Two, I would. You know, if you have, if you have a religion, I would reach out to that. Um, religious leader release reach out to heavenly father you know um that's the main thing that's going to help you um spiritually because our spirits have that energy that i was talking about yeah three i would go i would start going to like an addiction recovery because when you start seeing other people that have the same thing you start empathizing and, and you start learning from them and that's when I was at my lowest point and started going to that, that's how it started helping me climb out. And I became accountable to them because right. now they they were like, oh, okay, you're part of our family now. There's a lot of support at the bottom. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. And three, talk to someone who's gone through the addiction and ask them how did they get through. Like, um, you know, you could talk to me and I could help them understand what their baggage was throughout the, what's holding them back without them yeah. even realizing it's holding them back so they can let it go and I can help them balance their energy so then they can start living the life that, that they really want. Yeah, just going back to, like you say, finding the source, like why am I, why am I trying, what, what am I covering or why am I, what pain am I trying to cover? Right. And why are these things happening to me over and over? You know, women are like, I want to find a good man. But every time I get a boyfriend that, is abusive or you know is selfish or why 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 do i continue to get the same person subconsciously she's picking that person because it's playing the same tape and she's not even realizing that she's picking that that's right. the same thing even though she wants someone different 
she's playing the same tape. It's like we go where it's comfortable. Yeah. You know, I there's comfort it. and misery because it's familiar. Yeah. Is there, is that, that's right. Kind of some of the truth. Yeah. And you need to break, <clears throat> break out of that. And, and I can show them how, uh, you know, and, and I'm not the guru on it. Uh, I've just, well, it, but. you are, yeah, you may not be the guru, but you are a guru because you've done it. Right. So your experience is invaluable because no one else has experienced it the way you have. So, and, and that's exactly right. The more knowledge you have, the more you get this out in the open. It's like, uh, I can't even remember the movies, you know, darkness. And then when light shines on it, it just, you know, I'm melting. <clears throat> ah, I'm going away. They both can't be in the same place at the same time. That's right. And, and that's what happens. And it's just amazing. And now all I want to do, even though, I'm still separated from my family. All I want to do is help those that have been in the same situation that that they can salvage their marriage. And well, you can't you can't help your wife because she's not willing to right be helped. Once she hasn't recognized that she has any issues, that's right. These other people that you're helping are in a position to want to change. So yeah. you have more. So I get it why you totally naturally are drawn to that because it's yeah. like okay, this, these efforts are are panning out. Right. You know, yeah. so how can any, is there any way uh, people can like follow you or get in touch with you if they have questions or if they need help or is it, do you have like a, I don't know, just an email website, something like that, that someone can contact you or social media or so they could reach out to you? Yeah. You know, that's support. Um, probably because I'm not the entrepreneur. I, I should have like a website and everything like that, but I don't, I just have an email. Uh, this interview is over. <laughs> email's fine email's fine uh so my email is c m a n s w 2 the number two so c man s as in sam w2 gotcha at hotmail.com i'll put it in the show notes as well yeah that'd so be great and contact they can you. reach out to me people people some people are, are afraid to reach out because they're afraid you know of the status they have the stigma the stigma. Mean, yeah. But I've known I've known bishops, I've known stake presidents that have had this problem. Yeah. And they've no, kept it. No one's exempt from this. Yeah. It doesn't know it doesn't doesn't care who you are, yeah. male or female, rich or poor, it will seek you out and it will keep you down. It's an equal opportunity destroyer. That's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes. Well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing this because I think it's going to be extremely valuable to somebody. I don't know who, but if you're listening and, and you want to reach out to to Scott, please do so. I'll have his contact information in the show notes. And and again, if you have any feedback on our show, uh, we'd love to hear that as well. And again, thank you, Scott. Appreciate you joining me. Yeah, my pleasure. Again, I love it. Thank you again for listening to the Parish to Thought show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us.